you may have heard about the fact that a lot of countries are starting to ground the Boeing 737 MAX 8, the same one that crashed twice in the last uh, six months with fatal uh, crashes being the outcome for both airlines. One of them was Lion Air. The other one was Ethiopian airliner. And so we're joined by Jock Williams right now, who is Global News Radio aviation expert. I'll just call you Jock. Jock, welcome to the program. Good to have you on. It's a lot easier to remember just Jock. Listen, bit of a mouthful, especially when you're adjusting to not only daylight savings time, but getting up early for Uh, a new show. It's tough, isn't it? Oh, tell me about it. Scream. (laughs) (laughs) No more talking, Jock. No more talking. Just answer the questions you're asked. (laughs) Uh, Jock, let's start off here. Do you think we should ground the 737 MAX 8? No, I definitely don't. And I would always ask, when did we start taking our lead from China and Indonesia on such questions? Don't leave Australia. They've grounded them too. Yeah, but Australia doesn't have any. So (laughs) they can ground them to their heart's content. There you go. It doesn't make any difference. But we have quite a number. And since they cost about 10 million, or probably 10 million, about $100 million each, we don't want to have them sitting on the ground unnecessarily. We, I con- congratulate Minister Garneau for saying we're going to wait and see. If we find something that justifies grounding, we will ground them. But if we don't find something, we will have been of great benefit to our airline industry and to Boeing commercial aircraft and so on. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Wouldn't this justify grounding? Boeing confirmed late on Monday that it will deploy a software upgrade to the 737 MAX 8, the model that crashed on Sunday in Ethiopia and six months ago in Indonesia. And they, uh, a few hours later, the uh, Federal, Federal Aviation Administration said it would mandate design changes in the aircraft by April. Yeah. So wouldn't that be enough? Like, there's a little question mark. It's software update, at least till the update is done. Shouldn't we err on the side well, of the- extra caution here? Uh, I don't think so. We, in reality, what Boeing didn't say is that we get software updates all the time. You might get three software updates in a week sometimes, and then you might go for four months and not get any, and then you might get another couple in a week. It, they do them as they discover something that needs to be changed. And Boeing didn't actually say that this software update had anything to do with this specific these two specific accidents. Well, why would they mention it then? If we always have, you say we have a lot of software updates, why mention this one? Why not just let it slide if it had nothing to do with it? People want to see some action. You know, people would love it, I'm sure, if Garneau had said we're grounding them all. But people would be equally pleased if he'd said paint them all red or something like that. And that would have absolutely no impact on the problem. Let Let me just state it a different way. The media says Two of these airplanes in six months have crashed, and there have been fatal results, and I'm not arguing that at all. What they should have said is, in that period of time, 21,000 flights have occurred with this same airplane, and nothing happened. 358 of the airplanes took off and landed every single time without major incident. Now, that wouldn't be a news story, would it? Mm. But if you say two of them have crashed in, in perhaps somewhat parallel circumstances, that is a news story. Well, it's never a news story when everything's going right. But when 18 exactly. Canadians and 157 people die on a plane in a crash, yeah, then it becomes a news story. I mean, you can't hold the media responsible for well, reporting on a, a major to, disaster. To an extent, I can, because it, it's the same thing. If, if we reported not on the Titanic sinking, but on all the ships that didn't, 
didn't sink that particular week in April 1911. You know, we wouldn't have sold any papers. But believe me, they said if it bleeds, it leads. Well, that's true. And that's yeah, but we're still talking fault. about. I don't know about that, Jock. I gotta say, I, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna disagree with you on okay. that because oh, you, you know it's still a massive story, the oh, Titanic, it and it's I'm not, it I'm has not legs. Yeah, I'm not debating that it that it isn't a story. I'm not suggesting that at all. I, but I'm saying that that the implication that we can somehow solve without knowing what happened, mm-hmm. we can solve what happened. That's a little odd, isn't it? Sure. You got to know what occurred, and that's what we're doing by reading the flight data recorder and the cockpit voice recorder, and checking into every possible system in the aircraft and checking the pilot training records and so on. But you don't solve a problem by taking action when you don't know what the problem is. And that, that's all I'm saying. Let Minister Garneau has said virtually, I'll ground him the second I know that that would help, but I won't ground him one second earlier. And that's the right thing to do, I think. Let me be very clear, Jock. <laughs> I will uh, argue you on the Titanic any day of the week. When it comes to planes, you're the expert. I mean, I'm certainly going <laughs> to go with what you say here. Um, well, how big's your boat is the question. And was it made in Ireland? Uh, you know, who makes the decision on grounding planes? Like, how much goes into that? Well, the aircraft manufacturer certainly is at liberty to issue a notice saying, do not fly these airplanes, we've discovered a problem. The, the registration authority, like the Transport Canada in Canada, the Federal Aviation Agency in the United States, they have a perfect right to issue any regulation they wish regarding the the handling or the non-handling of of an aircraft but they always try to do it in a responsible fashion to to reach out and ground hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of airplane and and thereby guarantee that they're not they're not supporting themselves that's a very bad thing companies can go bankrupt in a matter of weeks often if their income is is cut from what they expected because they've signed on for loans to buy airplanes and to increase runway lengths and do things like that. So you don't want to throw a surprise for no reason into an entire industry as important as aviation is in, in North America. Massive economic implications. That's there. right. So we, we try to avoid doing the wrong thing. How do we avoid doing the wrong thing? By studying and finding out what the right thing would be and then doing that instead of the wrong thing. That, that's all I'm suggesting. You're a lawyer besides, aren't you? Didn't I hear no. somewhere? Oh, I, I only play one on the radio oh, when, I get okay. to, when I get yappy with you and argue. <laughs> well, you're always at liberty to argue with me. But, but of course, you'll be wrong. You know? you know, I'm using that in the next fight with my husband. Listen up. Prominent people like Jock Williams, I've <laughs> represented right. them. It's become almost a joke. <laughs> Almost a joke. More money by admitting I know nothing about it than most people known to mankind. Listen, what I am is curious and interested, and I leave it up to the experts to be the expert. And as always, it's a pleasure having you on the show, Jock. Next time we'll talk about another Hindenburg. Let's bring up that. Yeah, that'd be good. I oh, the humanity. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll argue you on the major disasters that have occurred. Uh, throughout history. Jock, it, really, in all seriousness, um, at the end of the day, you think that the transportation minister is making the right call here? I, I do believe so. Now, with, with circumstances may prove me wrong. That that has happened once or twice in my life. But, but in general, I think he's making the right move. He's waiting until he knows. And I, am, I have every confidence in the fact that he'll do the right thing when he knows. Very quickly, you know, before I let you go, because I, I would be uh, upset at myself if I didn't touch on this. They've got this, uh, you know, this aircraft that we were talking about, the uh, 737 yeah. MAX uh, yeah. 8, 
yeah. has a certain uh, technology on it. And uh, I think it's called MCS. Yes. It, it has to do with stabilizing. Can you just that, tell me what right. that does? Well, we pilots are simple. <laughs> we fly along, we're holding on to a thing called a control yoke, usually, or a stick and a fighter. Then that's how we turn the airplane or make it climb or descend. And we do a pretty good job of that. But in reality, some of these airplanes, the aerodynamics are so complex that when you're turning, as an example, besides using the ailerons, the airplane might turn a little better if the rudder was involved in the whole thing. So what, what the aircraft manufacturer has done is it's put in a, a computer that knows everything that's happening all over the airplane. And it's just it's designed to optimize the, the flying portion of the aircraft operation. Because a pilot just can't, he can't say, I know that 40 feet aft of me up on the top of the fuselage, there's an area that would rather I was skidding a little bit. The airplane can remember all those details, so it skids it. But here's hmm. the deal. What if it isn't doing it right? What if the pilot feels something that he's never felt before? Now, my explanation is he's feeling something that he didn't feel in the 737 earlier series because it didn't have this system. Now it has this system. Well, what if the pilot mistakenly thinks that the airplane is fighting him? And so he puts in a stronger input that sort of cancels out what he has felt but it wasn't required. The airplane now says, just a minute, something's happening here that I've never seen. So it puts in its input. And pretty soon you got an airplane fighting a pilot and mm. the pilot will never win in that particular fight, I can guarantee you. So, so that what may be what has happened. The pilots were not made aware of the fact that they might feel some changes in the, in the way the airplane conducts itself. Wouldn't that be a no-brainer? You know, you, you you get a new car, you know it's going to feel different. It's, well, well, that's a good A Honda's point. a Honda's yeah. a Honda, but, that's right. you know, every but car's different. They're different. No, that's exactly right. And that one of the things we have to check is, is the plane different enough that they needed to spend more time discussing the, the new things that they were going to encounter, or is it the same enough that they didn't need to have that discussion? Well, I can already tell you the answer to that one. The fact that two airplanes eventually made contact with the Earth in an uncontrolled fashion proves that the pilots didn't do the right thing. The question is, could they have done the right thing? Were they properly trained and forgot? Or was it not presented to them as one of the options? Or, and this would really be terrible, we used to have four or five different ways of turning off the automatic flight control systems of various sorts. The biggest one of which was a red button on top of the control column. You pushed it and you turned everything off. Mm -hmm. Is there still that button? I haven't been in the front end of, of one of these airplanes, I can't tell you, but there sure was in all the earlier ones. If somehow some engineer convinced people to remove that button and remove the possibility of turning off the system, that would be a tragedy. But it will be a tragedy that will be discovered in the aircraft accident investigation. Jock, you're a font of information and an awfully nice gentleman. Thank you so much for being on the show. Always wonderful talking to you, Kelly. Cheers. Jock Williams, Global News Radio's aviation expert.